How many of you have seen that before, by the way? Okay, several of you are familiar with that. Um, Last night, or maybe it was Friday night, I forget, um, Shelly and I thought it would be fun, or really I thought it would be fun, uh, to watch a movie with Asher. And so we were looking through our Disney collection, and uh, we thought um, we'd see the movie Monsters. This is kind of before the movie's Monsters, Inc. And so I thought, yeah, Monsters, that'd be good. It's funny and all that stuff. And so we watched this, and I thought, oh, that's a perfect sermon illustration. That's a great introduction. My previous introduction was just bad. So I thought I would go with this one. Um, and then we, you know, we started the Monsters, Inc. movie. And if you've seen it before, it starts off with a, a dark uh, bedroom scene, and the monsters basically come out and scare the kid half to death. Right as the, the movie started, and it was nighttime, Shelley looked at me, and I thought, this is a bad idea, you know? Um, and so we stopped it, and we saw something else, I don't know, Finding Nemo or something. Um, but, you know, this is a cute little clip uh, for the birds. Uh, we have been, uh, for kind of several weeks now, seven weeks actually, to be exact, um, in a sermon series called Growth God's Way. And we have been exploring the New, Test- New Testament, asking the question, what are some characteristics of churches that experience growth in God's way? What are the, some of the things that they do? Uh, what are some of the things that they don't do, that they avoid? And this morning in part seven of Growth God's Way, We're going to see that churches that experience growth break barriers. They break through barriers. And the reason why this little clip was so uh, significant and and, uh, ideal is because of the treatment of all of the birds that are the same, of the one odd chicken, if you will, of the one odd bird. And I saw it and I immediately thought, is this how we as a church here at Grace and other churches collectively, um, is this how we treat those who are different than us? Are we much like the little birds who see the person who is different, uh, the person who's not like us, maybe ethnically, the person or the family who's not like us uh, geographically, or maybe uh, not like us socially or economically? And do we kind of clump together and look at the odd ball or the odd bird, and at first kind of make fun of them or that kind of thing and not let them into our club. This morning, we're going to see a story of two groups of believers, two groups of Christians this morning in the book of Acts. In particular, Acts chapter 11 is where we'll be a little bit later. And we're going to see two groups of Christians this morning. The first group of Christians is what I would call barrier, uh, non-barrier breakers. That is, they don't break the barriers for the gospel. They treat uh, other people, they treat unbelievers much like the little birds on our show. They don't engage them. They don't engage them. And secondly, we're going to hear about a group of believers that I would call barrier breakers. That is, in spite of the fact that the other people are different, in spite of the fact that unbelievers may look or talk or feel or act differently, that we choose to accept them and engage them for the sake of the gospel. And so uh, in Acts chapter 11 is where we're going to be this morning. And I would propose to you that there were, in the first century world, at the time of the Bible being written, at the, at the time of the birth of what was the first church in the city of Jerusalem, there were huge barriers to be broken. Huge barriers, in particular, barriers between Jews and Gentiles, barriers between those that followed Judaism, and barriers between those who were pagan, for lack of a better word, who were non-Jewish. There were ethnic barriers, there were cultural barriers, there were geographical barriers, and there were religious barriers in the first century. But what we're going to see is that 
one group of Christians, the non-barrier breakers, chose not to engage those who were different than them. And there's going to be a group of believers who chose to engage those different than them. And we're going to see the result of that this morning. And so uh, let's do this. I'm going to ask Dan, uh, Dan to come up, and he's going to pray for us this morning. And he's going to pray for our service. He's going to pray for our, our worship time and for the preaching of the word a little bit later. So Dan, come on up. There you are. And uh, Dan's going to pray for us, and then we'll worship in song. Okay, if you join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we just uh, we thank you for this day, for the sun, for the warmer temperatures, and uh, for all the blessings you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the dedication of the young ones in our church. We're grateful for the parents, the godly parents, that uh, ask your help and the help of the entire congregation to raise these children in the, in the way that you would have. Lord, we ask as a congregation that you help us to reach out to those whose parents uh, don't know you that uh, those children that we encounter, uh, we can bring into your, your family, Lord. We ask that you put those opportunities in front of us. Lord, we pray for our service, for our worship today, that it would glorify you, that we, we praise you in so many ways with our hearts and our voices. Lord, I pray for Trey as uh, he's struggling a little bit under the weather, that you uh, give him the uh, boldness and the energy to... Uh, to spread your, your word and to preach to us like, uh, like he can, Lord. Again, we just thank you for the day and all the blessings you've given us. We just ask that you bless our worship. In your name, amen. Amen. Why don't you guys stand sing with us? All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, the book of Acts. And uh, if you don't have your text, uh, the text should be up on the screen for you to follow along. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter th- 11 this morning. And so turn with me in the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to get into part seven of Growth God's Way, uh, Barrier Breakers. Uh, As I've said before, uh, this text really highlights two groups of believers. Uh, One group is going to be much like the small birds. Uh, They're not going to go outside their comfort zone. Uh, They're not going to be welcoming. They're not going to engage those not like them. Uh, But on the other hand, we will see a group of risk-taking, barrier-breaking Christians who are going to span great barriers for the sake of the gospel. And we're going to see God uh, bless their socks off. And so let's go ahead and do this. I want to read through the text together. And so turn with me as I'm turning to Acts chapter 11. We're going to read a a very short section, uh, verses 19 through 26. And uh, then we're going to go through and kind of, uh, we'll make our way through this. So verse 19 of chapter 11 begins this way. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast hope, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Verse 26. Um, Actually, let's uh, stop there. Yeah, we got it. 25. Let's keep going. Uh, 25. 
So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. So, this morning we're going to take a look at the text, and if you have a a notebook, if you're jotting down some notes, you want to know where I'm going. Uh, Basically, we've got three sections, uh, three points, and uh, each point will have various applications to us. Uh, But basically, three three points. Number one, in verse 19, we're going to hear about non, what I would call non-barrier breakers. So verse 19, non-barrier breakers. Verse 20, we're going to see the opposite, barrier breakers. And then in verses 21 through 26, we're going to see what I would call barrier breaker blessings. And so very short, very simple. Um, This is where we're going to go this morning. We start in verse 19, if we can filter back there, and we're going to hear a description of Jewish believers, uh, that is, they were Jews ethnically, and they had become Christians, and they are, again, this term that I've coined, non-barrier breakers. Let's take a look at verse 19 once again. Verse 19. Now those who are scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, and here's the word I want us to focus on, the part that I want us to hear, speaking the word to no one except for the Jews. Let me point out just a few things here. First of all, uh, the people that we're talking about were Jewish believers, and they were forced out of their homes. The first thing that we read, if we can skip back to verse 19, the first thing that we see is... Now those who are scattered because of the persecution. What in the world is that talking about? Well, if you read back into chapter 8 of the book of Acts, what you'll find out is there was a guy by the name of Stephen. He was the first Christian martyr. They stoned him to death. And basically what happened after his stoning was that there was a great persecution that came upon the early church. Uh, They were dragging them to court. Uh, They were treating them poorly. And it was headed up by a guy by the name of Saul, who had later become Paul. And as a result, there in chapter 8, what we find out is that the early believers, who were all Jewish at that point, they were scattered. They had to, as soon leave their homes as refugees. That's what these guys were. They were refugees because of this persecution. And so in chapter 8, we find out that a group of these Christians left Jerusalem, left their homes, and they were scattered to uh, what I would call southern Judea region and the northern Samaria region, just like Christ told them they should do. And what we see here is Luke tells us that not only did people go to Samaria, not only did people go to Judea, but also there were a group of Christians who went as far as, let's skip ahead, and he names the names. If we can go to the next slide, please. Uh, Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. So I think I've got a map. Do I have a map map back there? I think I do. There we go. Um, There's a map. So the first thing I want us to know is that these believers are uh, essentially, they travel away from their homes. They are uh, victims of persecution. And what they did is they went to areas, this is the second point I want us to make, they went to areas that were predominantly non-Jewish. Remember, these were Jews. They came from, you see Jerusalem on number six, the upper right. They were scattered to regions, both Cyprus, which is the island, and uh, Antioch, which is the focus of our text this morning. They went to regions that were non-Jewish. And so most of these believers, if not all of them, were in Jerusalem, were in Judea, and that was predominantly Jewish ethnic ethnicity, if you will. And they traveled to places uh, that were non-Jewish, that were very different from them. You could say that uh, not only were they far away from home geographically, but they were far away from home culturally. They were far away from home religiously. And so they were scattered. They go to these places that are not, you know, uh, the homeland, so to speak. And notice what they did. We can move away from that. 
Notice what they did. They only witnessed to Jews. Did you, did you, did you catch that? I wanted, that's the point I want us to see, is that they only witnessed to Jews. Now, uh, on one end, I think we should commend them because they saw people that were like them. They went to these non-Jewish Gentile cities uh, that were very different from them and very different from what they were used to, and they kind of clung on to those who were like them, other Jews, and they told these Jews about Jesus. That's a wonderful thing. That's what they should be doing. And so that is to be commended. But what I want us to point out is that they, f- they failed to share the gospel with those who are dramatically different than them. They failed to get outside of their bubble, if you will. They failed to get outside of their comfort zone. They only engaged with those who looked like them, who sounded like them, who shared the same religion with them. And that is kind of where they stayed. And so they only witnessed to Jews. And that's why I call them non-barrier breakers. Non-barrier breakers. And so the question that I have for us as we talk about what that means for us is a pointed question. Are we non-barrier breaker Christians? And is this church, Grace Bible Church, a non-barrier breaker church? I hope not. I hope that we're not. I don't want us to be. But we have to ask the question. And we have to ask the question, what keeps us from being barrier breakers? That is, what keeps us from engaging, from sharing, from befriending, from sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, with those who look different than us, who act different than us, who are on a maybe different social economic level or friendship level than us? I think there are a lot of different Things, a lot of different barriers that we might have to overcome. Uh, the first one, maybe it's an ethnic barrier that we have to overcome. Uh, it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that when you look around this community and most other surrounding communities at, uh, at large, but for sure, Cisna, uh, we are a predominantly white, Anglo uh, city. That's what we are. Uh, but that being said, there has been and and maybe there will be an emergence and a growth in people who are of a different ethnicity than you and I. Um, And we have to ask the question, are we going to be like these Christians, although they did well in sharing with those like them, are we going to engage those who have a different skin color than us? Are we going to love them? Are we going to befriend them? Are we going to include them? Are we going to engage them? Or are we not going to? Because there was an ethnic bridge for these early Christians when they went to these places. They didn't look like them. And they failed to share the gospel because of it. So what about you? How many friends who look different than you? How many friendships that you are trying to engage with people who may have a different skin tone than you? Uh, if that continues to uh, happen and there's more and more people who don't look like us in Cisna Park, are we going to engage in them for the sake of the gospel? I hope that we will. Uh, Not only ethnic barriers, maybe there are economic barriers or economic barriers. That is, uh, people who have different kind of cars than we do, maybe it's a little more junky than ours, maybe they don't live in the kind of home that we consider to be uh, on par, maybe they don't wear the kind of clothes or the designer clothes that I do or that you do or whatever, they're different, they're on a different economic or social level, if you will, they're different than us. How are we going to treat them? How are we going to engage them? How are we going to befriend 
them. Maybe it's a geographical difference. The question here is, are we willing to accept not just those who maybe have a different, different ethnicity, but maybe those who come from different towns? Um, there are and will continue to be people, like myself, uh, who move into this community, um, who w- were not born here, who were not raised here, who didn't go to Cisna Park schools. Um, and the question is that as we we as a church and you as an individual believer, that could potentially be a barrier for the gospel. Are we going to reach out to them? Are we going to befriend them? Are we going to engage them? Or are we going to stick in our little Cisna Park bubble and not engage those for the gospel? Uh, maybe it's religious. Maybe there are religious barriers. That is, I think this can go one of two ways. I was talking with Shelley about it the other day, and she was helpful in this regard. Uh, it can go one of two ways in our community, I think. There can be religious barriers. Uh, the first religious barrier can be that we look at a person and we know that they go to church. We know that they're actively involved or maybe passively involved, if you will, in some church way, shape, or form. And our assumption is, well, because they go to church, that they're a believer and that they're a Christian and we don't need to share the gospel with them. And that's wrong. And so it can go one of two ways. We can make the assumption they go to church, they don't need Jesus, surely they're a Christian. Or we can go the other way. They don't go to church, um, they're not... They don't share the same values that we do. They don't have the same practices that we do. And so there's a disconnect with those who might not share our faith in Jesus. And we have to learn to overcome those disconnects. And we're going to talk about how to do that in a few minutes. But the point that I want us to see is simply this. Verse 19 shows us that there were Christians in the first century that while sharing with those similar to them, they did not share with those who were unlike them. They were non-barrier breakers. And whatever those barriers were, ethnicity, uh, economic barriers, geographical barriers, religious barriers, those all existed in the first century for these Jewish Christians. And they only shared the gospel with the Jews. I want to sh- want to share with you a quick story. Um, I've spent time in a lot of different churches uh, in my lifetime doing different things, whether it be youth ministry or whatnot. And uh, in the, the church that I was at previous um, was what I would call, I don't know if it's an inner city Dallas church, but it was definitely in the city limits of Dallas. And originally when the church was planted in like 1950, it was like the northern edge of Dallas, if you will. So it was called, catchy name, Northway, because we were the north way, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was kind of the, the suburb, if you will. Well, times change, and in 50 years, the church location stayed the same, and the people, for the most part, stayed the same at this church, um, but the surrounding uh, cultures, if you will, of the church um, changed dramatically. And so over 50 years, a large Hispanic population moved in um, and surrounded the church. And numerous times, the church was faced with this question, what are we going to do? We're white, middle-class folks, and we live 20 miles away, but we go to church here in central Dallas, and the people around us don't look like us. What are we going to do? Are we going to engage them? Are we not? What should we do? And I want to tell you a story of a couple by the name of Joe and Joe. Uh, It's a couple, husband and wife, and they're both named Joe. (laughs) So there's no confusion there. Uh, Joe and Joe Archer, And Joe and Joe Archer lived in a suburb of Dallas called Carrollton, Texas, and it was about 25 miles north of the church, maybe 25, 20 miles north of the church. Um, 
a typical suburb, fancy, you know, well-to-do. Joe was an architect. He had a really good job. And uh, little Joe, what did little Joe do? That's what we called her because she was little. <laughs> uh, I think she was a school teacher. Uh, regardless, they got a glimpse and had a taste in their mouth of engaging students for the gospel of Christ who looked very different than them. And let me tell you what they did. It was a wonderful thing, and it was a wonderful example of someone overcoming these barriers that we're talking about. What they did is there was a group of students uh, who went to school right across the street. Here was Northway Baptist Church. There was a street right here, and there was a big, large 5A school, TJ High School, um, that was uh, mostly minority, uh, mostly kind of on the lower end of the economic scale school. And they were planted literally right across the street from us. And so what we started to do, what they started to do, is a group of those students who all lived in, a, in, in the same uh, housing complex about five miles down the road, um, they started to engage them. They uh, built a relationship with them, and what they would do early in the morning on Sunday mornings is they would take the church vans and they would go pick all of these kids up as many times as they needed to. If they needed to take multiple trips, they would take multiple trips, and they would get these kids to church. After church, what we would do is we would use our gym, we would order pizza for them every single week, we would play basketball and baseball and whatever they wanted during that week, and we would share the gospel with them. We always had some kind of a lesson, some kind of a conversation with them. And it was an amazing thing because Joe and Joe overcame ethnic barriers, economic barriers. I mean, these kids lived in a part of Dallas that you, when you drive through, you would lock the door. That's, that's where they lived. And they would go there every week, <laughs> sometimes twice a week. Geographical barriers, religious barriers. Most of these kids grew up from a, a predominantly Catholic background and we were a Baptist church. There were all sorts of barriers here and yet they had such a love for these kids that they would do it every week, every week, consistently. And, uh, you know, many of these kids saw Joe and Joe as, as mom and dad. And uh, it was an amazing example of overcoming barriers. So in verse 19, we've seen some non-barrier breakers. In verse 20, we're going to see just the opposite. There's a great contrast here. Let's read verse 20 again. Chapter 11, verse 20. Notice the contrast here. But... That's a significant word, right? Because it's drawing contrast. But there were some of them, that is some of these uh, people who were at Jerusalem who had become Christians, who had then been scattered because of persecution. But there were some of them, notice where these guys were from, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, <clears throat> preaching the Lord Jesus. So let me point out a few things. Number one, we see a strong contrast. The guys in verse 19 weren't willing to break barriers. The guys in verse 20 were willing to break barriers. Secondly, uh, these guys, notice where they were from. This is a significant detail. They, they were from the lands of Cyprus and Cyrene. These essentially were Gentile lands. And so here's, here's the point. These guys, unlike those prior, they didn't grow up in Palestine. They didn't grow up where it was predominantly Jewish. They didn't grow up. They grew up in an area that was different than their Jewish ethnicity. They grew up the minorities, if you will. They grew up the minorities. And so the reason that's important is because of this. When they went to these lands, in particular to the city of Antioch, they could relate to the people there. They were Jewish ethnically and religiously, but they shared common features. They shared common language. They shared common culture because they, lit, they came from a culture that was very similar. So you could say 
they had some common ground. They had some common ground. Third thing I want us to see, and this is really significant. Notice it says that they preached or they spoke to the Hellenists also. Now, I don't know about you, but that's probably not a term that you use every day. Man, I ran across a, Hel- a Hellenist the other day at work, and we just had a great conversation. You probably don't use that word. Basically, a Hellenist is somebody who is non-Jewish and someone who speaks Greek, which was the common language of the day. So it was like most people in that world were Hellenists. And so these Jews came across these Greek-speaking, non-Jewish people very, very, very different from them, and they spoke the word to them. They spoke the word to them. Uh, Dr. Constable says this, This verse documents another significant advance in the mission of the church. For the first time, Luke recorded Jews aggressively evangelizing non-Jews. And that's the point. All throughout the book of Acts thus far, the Christians, they were all Jewish. They had just engaged with those like them, but not anymore. Now, the Jewish Christians were engaging those dramatically different from them. Notice this also. What city did they come to? On coming to Antioch. Antioch. And again, you may not be real familiar with geography um, here, but uh, Antioch was a really significant city in that time. Uh, In fact, it was the third largest city in the known world at that point. So I I don't know. What's the third largest city in America? Anybody know? Right offhand? Just take a stab. Doesn't matter. Chicago. Hey, easy enough. Let's say Chicago. It would be like the gospel going to Chicago. It's a major cultural, economic hub of a city. Very influential, very significant city. And the gospel went to the city of Antioch, to the the Gentiles, to the non-Jews for the first time. And the reason why this is significant is because it's the first non-Jewish church. That's hugely significant. I don't know how many of you are Jewish in ethnicity. I would guess probably not many of you. And when you look at the church worldwide, I would guess a very small minority of them are Jewish ethnically. But it was not like that back then. And the Gentile church was born. This is the first Gentile church. Secondly, or thirdly, the reason why this is so important is because um, anybody ever heard of a guy named the Apostle Paul? Anybody ever heard of him, Apostle Paul? If you read through the, the book of Acts, he becomes, at about chapters, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, the predominant figure. And you have all the stories of basically missionary Paul going to spread the gospel around the world. Um, guess where he got his start? Antioch. Antioch was where he got his start. Antioch was the church that sent him out, and it was the hub of all of his missionary journeys. Fifth point I want to make, and we'll talk about some applications. Any of you noticed some names? Any, any of you noticed names in this section? We read through this section, and much uh, unlike other, bo- uh, other parts of the book of Acts, it doesn't talk, there are no names. There are no individuals mentioned, right? It just says, these people. If you read through the book of Acts, most of the work that is highlighted is done by, say, a bigwig like Peter or Paul. Most, if not all, of the growth and, and the preaching and all that stuff in the book of Acts is by these, what I would call, super-duper Christians. These guys that we look at and we're like, I can never be like Paul. I can never be like Peter. I can never do those things. We can't identify with them. But these guys are unnamed. They're uncharted. They're unknown. They're not super-Christians. The point that I want to make is that God used regular Christians, average Joe believers like me and like you who are never going to have our name written in the Bible. We're never going to find our name, most likely, in church history books a hundred years from now. We're not going to get any publicity. But God used these 
normal, everyday Christians to literally send the good news of Jesus Christ worldwide. Worldwide. Just your average Joe. Just your average Joe. So, applicationally speaking, which are we going to be? Non-barrier breakers or barrier breakers? Are we going to decide to engage those unlike us in the areas that we talked about before? Are we going to use our common ground for the gospel? I don't know uh, about you, but one of the things that I try to do when I'm engaging someone, I'm not sure if they've personally placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, We try to use common ground to make connections with them. So maybe you work in the same building. Maybe you both enjoy bolding. Maybe uh, your kids are in the same grade. Maybe you like the same sport. Whatever it may be. Will you use your common ground to advance the gospel? I want to share with you this quote. Historian Phil Schaff says this in summary. While there was no professional missionaries devoting their whole life to this specific work, every congregation, hear this, every congregation was a missionary society and every Christian believer a missionary. Is that true of us? Is every Christian believer who goes to Grace Bible Church a missionary? I hope that we are. I pray that we are. In closing, we're going to see in verses 21 through 26 some barrier breaker blessings. This is what I would call them. What was God's response? Notice there were those who did not break the barriers, but then notice there were those who did, and God essentially blessed their socks off. Uh, Let's read verses 21 through 26 together again. Notice, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of people who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast hope, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, who would become Paul, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And then notice this, for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many number of people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Let me point out to you about four, what I would call barrier breaker blessings. And I want you to ask yourself this question as we read them. Do you want this kind of blessings on our church? Do you want to experience this kind of blessings from the hand of God? Number one, God moved in a powerful way. Notice in 21, it says the hand of the Lord was with them. Essentially, that means that when these believers broke barriers, they talked with those different from them, God blessed it. God's power moved in their church, in their efforts. Secondly, people believed in Jesus. I don't know about you, um, but I want, as a result of our witness, people to believe in Jesus. Number three, uh, the church was equipped. Notice, uh, basically there, um, Barnabas was sent and he encouraged them, he equipped them, and the Barnabas said, I need some help with this. Let me go get Saul, who's called to preach to the Gentiles. And they stayed for a whole year and taught and encouraged and equipped the church. Number four, believers were identified with Christ. Did you notice this last part? It's an interesting little phrase. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That's interesting. They weren't called Christians up until that point, and, and a Christian basically means uh, the party of Christ. You were identified with Christ. And so basically what happened is that when unbelievers, when people who were not Christians looked at these believers, they said, they identify with Jesus. These are the Jesus guys, if you will. And so these are barrier breaker blessings. So before we close, I want to do a couple things. 
Uh, I was reminded that at 12 o'clock, the Illini play who? Uh, The Boilermakers, is that right? At 12 o'clock. So I've got 30 minutes, so we're good here. Um, (laughs) But in wrapping up, uh, I want to make a couple points. And the first point is this. Um, Why do we do this? If you're a believer this morning in Christ, um, we can hear about breaking barriers and engaging those who are different than us. But at the root level, what's our motivation Why should we do this? And I would offer one answer to you, and that is because Jesus Christ himself, uh, the one who we identify with, the one who we place our faith in, was a barrier breaker himself. In fact, I would say that Jesus Christ is the ultimate barrier breaker. I mean, think about the barriers that he broke. First of all, there's a barrier of sin. Uh, The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is, we uh, fail to honor God in all that we do. We break his commandments. Therefore, we are guilty uh, before him. We sin. All of us are sin. And that sin, the Bible says, separates us from a holy God. There's a barrier there because of our sin. And Jesus is the barrier breaker. The Bible says that Jesus came and lived a perfect life, died for our sins, and paid the penalty, God's holy wrath on our sin in our place, so that if we simply believe in him, place our faith and our trust in him, that we will be delivered, that we will be saved, that we will be forgiven, that we will be changed, that we will be made new creatures. Jesus broke the barrier of sin. He broke the barrier of God's holiness that kept us from God. And not only that, but Jesus himself, being eternally God, took on humanity and stepped down into our world. It's an amazing concept. God becoming man. He broke the barrier of humanity and deity, becoming the God-man. And so this morning, uh, maybe you're a believer in Christ. I want you to hear that our motivation for engaging those that make us uncomfortable, for engaging someone that we're not like, is ultimately because Jesus did that for us. And so we do that for others. Secondly, maybe uh, you're here this morning and you uh, have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and this is not, it's just religion to you, it's not real, there's no personal faith in Christ and Christ alone, and you know that that barrier that I was talking about, the barrier of sin between you and God, you know it's real and you feel it, uh, but you can't seem to do enough to get it right and you can't seem to change yourself Um, maybe that's because you need to trust in the barrier breaker. Maybe you need to trust in him, in his perfect life for you, given to you, in his death on the cross for you, his sins, our sins poured out on him. Maybe you need to make that transaction. And maybe you need to break the barrier of unbelief. And so if you haven't done that this morning, I would implore and plead and ask that you would consider doing that and placing your faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins. So, wrapping up, will we be barrier breakers this morning? Or, will we be like the little birds on the line, poking fun, moving further away from those who are not like us? Which will we be? My heart and my hope and my prayer is that we indeed will be like the men from Cyprus and Cyrene who engage those who are different. And we break barriers for the gospel of Christ. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the time that we have to meet together. Thank you for the example of both of these early Christians. And Father, while we don't want to belittle those who failed to engage, you certainly highlight 
those barrier breakers who overcame culture, who overcame ethnicity, who overcame geography, who overcame social differences, and they shared their faith with those who were dramatically different than them. Father, may we at Grace be a people who are barrier breakers. May we be unafraid to talk to the guy who looks different than us. May we not be afraid to help and to pray for and to engage those who may not have the kind of clothes that we do or live in the kind of houses that we do, who may act vastly different than we do, who have different values than we do. And may it be done for the sake of Christ, the ultimate barrier breaker who came down from heaven, who took on human flesh, who lived a perfect life because we couldn't, who died a horrible death under your wrath because we deserved it, and who rose again from the dead to offer life and salvation and new creation and forgiveness through simple faith in him. Father, may we do it for his sake and his glory. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.